This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 403. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I am joined by Matthew Marister, Mr. Producer Extraordinaire, Master Chief. Glad to be here with you, man, working remotely. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Like, nothing's changed uh, in regards to you and me, how we... (laughs) Uh, work together and associate together. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, we've been always, pretty much always podcasting from home. And uh, of course, this is not the only thing we do. Matthew actually does quite a bit in overseeing the instructor network at concealedcarry.com, uh, getting uh, instructors lined up, uh, classes, you know, all that stuff uh, up on the website. Of course, right now is kind of a interesting time because more and more classes are being canceled as a result of coronavirus. Right. Uh, so, you know, stay tuned. We're con- definitely contacting people where those are, are happening, uh, with those cancellations. And uh, so it is what it is. But for the future, and we definitely have some, uh, like, Guardian uh, pistol courses lined up for, you know, later on this year. Uh, you can see those on our website at class.concealedcarry.com. Now, uh, today's episode, we're talking about handling traffic stops with law enforcement. This will be a really interesting topic and one that we have, well, we've touched on. We we definitely talk about these sort of things that come up in conversation during the uh, regular production of our podcast episodes here and there. But uh, we haven't revisited this solely as a subject since way back in episode three which is more than four years ago now. Uh, so here we are, episode 403, and we are talking about, again, handling traffic stops with law enforcement. Of course, we have Matthew, who is a, a former uh, law enforcement officer, served in the uh, Southern California area, and uh, and then I also have, uh, served as a, as a law enforcement officer in the past as well and, and have been involved, uh, obviously, in doing some, some traffic stops, traffic-related stops. My most recent one was, uh, was, a, was a DUI arrest. So um, anyway, it'll be an interesting topic today. Now, we do have an episode sponsor, which is guns.com. Right now, I get questions almost on a daily basis, mostly from, like, friends and neighbors and people that know me more personally and don't really follow uh, what I do so much on a professional basis. But the question is, uh, you, you sell guns, right? And I'm like, no, I don't sell guns. <laughs> Although I've thought about, you know, getting an FFL or that sort of thing. But but we as a business, ConcealedCarry.com, we're in the concealed carry business, not the gun business. Um and, and we actually used to sell things like ammunition as well on our site, but uh, that, you know, to be honest with you, it just wasn't really worth it. Uh, you guys would be surprised how narrow the margins are on ammunition sales. Right now, that could be changing, but as far as those margins could be getting better, as uh, the demand is has far outstripped the supply. But one way I'm answering folks' questions about where, where to buy a gun is, well, just head on over to guns.com 
and and get access to their entire lineup and inventory of guns. They 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 have an inventory. Um, I've seen some local shops here that are basically out. Uh, but uh, guns.com's got inventory, and you just might find your next gun buy there at guns.com. Uh, they also sell ammo. They also sell other things too. But um, if you're also looking to buy or to sell a gun, that's another option as well. And they make that process super easy as well. So check out guns.com. All righty. Uh, let's move on to the topic then. Uh, we, we actually have had a few questions come in in recent history, people uh, asking and talking about various things. Uh, and there's been talk about law enforcement officers uh, making stops of folks for a variety of reasons. I mean, we, there's, there's some that have been stopped in their communities. Apparently these are all, you know, I'm just seeing various stories here and there uh, where that community is under some kind of stay at home order. Uh, let's let's face it. We're we're basically under a lockdown as a country. Uh, it may not be as hard of a lockdown as maybe what they're doing in some other countries, but uh, you know we're we're under lockdown, uh, encouraging people to stay home and and not get out and do do things really. Uh, so you know some are saying that people are being stopped and and almost questioned like, what are you doing out? You know, show me your papers. <laughs> uh, there's definitely documented instances of people being stopped uh, and and you know and, and questioned uh, when they are traveling from like say New York to places like Rhode Island. The Rhode Island governor has uh, kind of come under fire this last week because of the policy there. To actually, it was even suggested they might go door to door and look for people that are hiding out in Rhode Island that have come from New York. And New York is basically ground zero right now for coronavirus, mm -hmm. representing a significant percentage of the nation's cases. Uh, but, uh, boy, some of these measures seem rather extreme to me, Matthew. Uh, now, I don't see it so much here in Colorado, I'll be honest. I mean, we're under a statewide stay-at-home order like many other places uh, as well. But to be honest with you, I get out a little bit because, you know, we – our business is actually one of the exempted businesses. We have our whole uh, medical product line now as well, Mountain Man Medical, and and that by itself exempts us from the stay-at-home order. Now we're we've taken steps for sure as a business to uh, you know protect our employees and, and protect our customers as well. But we're still in business and still operating. And uh, later today I'll be down to the warehouse dropping some things off that need to to get shipped out. But uh, uh, you know. I, as I'm driving around, I'll be honest, I have hardly seen any police, like, at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so to me, it looks like there's not a whole lot going on with that sort of thing. There's not a whole lot of, say, like, enforcement going on in Colorado, other than some stories I've heard out of Denver City proper, where mostly it's, like, citations to businesses that have remained open when they're non-exempt business, and also uh, people, like, congregating in parks when they're not supposed to be, you know, violating the whole six feet away rule and that kind of stuff. Right. So that's what I've been seeing. I haven't really been seeing much. Like, I don't remember the last time I saw a police officer, uh, with somebody pulled over yeah. here in Colorado. So it's been a while. Um, so, but again, we're hearing these various reports. So here's the thing. How do we handle ourselves 
as concealed carriers. Keep in mind the concealed carry context, this being our podcast and all. How do we handle ourselves in a traffic stop? So let's, let's kind of walk. I actually want to hear from you, Matthew. Uh, walk us through from an officer's perspective, how, you know, kind of the initiation of a traffic stop and, and what you experienced when you back when you were playing cop. Right. Sure. Yeah. So um, obviously state laws are different, right, on the, noti- the duties to notify, but we can get into that a little bit later. But um, basically, if you think about it, the, the officer needs to have some sort of uh, probable cause to pull you over. You violated some sort of traffic law or maybe they saw you commit a criminal violation, something. Um, and so they're going is- to initiate a traffic stop. So they light you up, you pull over. Um from what most people may not realize is, is officers are trying to see in the car before they even stop the car, right? Like they're, you're watching the person's head in front of you. If they're dipping below the, the seat and stuff like that, if they're turning around, acting nervously, um, stuff like that. So you're, you're kind of getting an idea of like who you're stopping, trying to, you know, see, see what's going on. If they're trying to make furtive movements to hide things or whatnot. But once you stop, many officers will put out the traffic stop and call in the dis- or let dispatch know, Hey, this is the plate. This is where I am. Um, but in busy departments and, and things like that, you may not be able to get that information to dispatch because you're, you know, in line. So you just put it out there. They're not giving you a readout on, uh, you know, if that plate stolen or whatnot. So you, so you, they may or may not know, um, you know, I know in certain States when a police officer runs the plates, they can see that some, so-and-so is issued, uh, this registered owner has a concealed handgun license issued to them. So some people will be like, oh, well, they know when they're coming up that I have a concealed handgun, handgun license. So maybe I have a gun in the car. So why should I say anything um, if I don't have to? And that's that's one you know thought. But don't assume that they know, because obviously you may not be the registered owner of the of the vehicle. Uh, the officer doesn't know that probably. And they may not even get that information back before they they you know come up to you and approach you. So um, that's kind of just don't assume that they know what's going on with the vehicle or whatnot. Um, another thing is I, I see, a lot, I hear a lot of people, of, you know, okay, I'll put the gun up on the dashboard. But when I made traffic stops, unless I wasn't a traffic cop, I was looking for criminal violations. Right. Um, so I would, you know, basically, you know, to try to get gangbangers and drugs and stuff. So what I would do is I would get out on, I usually was in a one person car. So I'd get out and walk around the back side of my car and come up on the passenger side of their vehicle, because almost inevitably everybody's looking in their mirrors and trying to see when you're coming up. And, you know, I might stay in there for 10 seconds, kind of shielded from them. They don't see me and I can see what they're doing in the car, whether they're hiding stuff before they even know I'm there. So um, just don't assume that, you know, okay, I can get the gun up here or I'll reach around until they get up here because the officer may, may already be up there on you kind of observing and trying to see you in your natural habitat, you know, type thing. Um, I would, I would recommend uh, especially at night in if you have tinted windows to put your, your windows down, um, because, uh, I mean, unless you're, it's, you know, minus 20 degrees or something because, and, and put on your interior lights because, uh, a lot of guns look like cell phones, cell phones look like guns. You can't see through, um, tinted windows and officers. So if there's people in the back and you're trying to see what's going on in, inside the vehicle, it can, it can just raise the level of, 
uh, tension and, and anxiety between the officer and you. And, and so that's just like one of those things that if you can, it's a good courtesy thing to do. Um, and that way, you know, nothing is mistaken. And, and obviously, you know, you, you don't have to roll down the windows and put on the interior lights, but I would hate for somebody to reach for their cell phone or something and the officer mistake it for a firearm, even if they're wrong, you know, that, that that's wrong. But if they shoot you or something, it, it, you know, it doesn't really matter if they're wrong or right. Um, if you, if you end up getting shot. So I think those first initial things kind of, uh, uh, set the, set the, the tone, right. And keep your hands where, uh, either on the, on the steering wheel or keep them folded, you know, uh, like that. I, I'm, I don't know if it's just me or what, but I talk a lot with my hands. So sometimes, you know, officer, Hey, I pulled you over for this. Can you get, grab me your license registration, proof of insurance? And they may say, yeah, yeah, but I got a gun over here. Is that okay? And they point and all of a sudden your hands are going to places where the officer can't see and stuff. So obviously um, you don't have to like put them on your head, like you're some sort of hostage, but anywhere that's a neutral position where you, they're kind of preoccupied. So they don't have a tendency to, to go some somewhere. Um, so that would be my first, you know, initial reaction, um, to, to kind of uh, what I'm looking for, you, you know, officers are looking and it depends on the type of stop, obviously. Um, but they're looking for compliance and they're, they're kind of testing your plant compliance right away. So by asking for simple things like, Hey, you know, can you grab me your license proof, of re- uh, insurance proof of registration? Um, if they're starting to say, okay, well, hang on, well, what are you stopping me for this, this, and this, you're starting to see that there's, there may be some sort of, you know, um, resistance or something. So you're asking, you know, simple questions. Um, Hey, this is why I stopped you. Um, you know, where are you heading to tonight? Obviously you don't have to answer where you're headed to, but, um, it's just like one of those things where, you're trying to feel that person out um, a little bit. So that's what officers are doing when they're, when they stop you. Yeah. Well, and let's be clear as to why I I think you explained it very well, but uh, one of the most dangerous things an officer does uh, is making a traffic stop, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as, because there's so many variables that they can't control uh, and they can't even know or see. Uh, it's different than making a contact with an individual on the street or in some other public uh, place or environment. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, handling a situation at home can also have its come with its uh, various risks. But, but there's so much going on with vehicles and traffic stops, and not only that, but you're concerned about, uh, you know, getting hit by other vehicles. I mean, how often does that happen? That you know, yeah. there's. Uh, uh, some you know a huge number of police officers every year that are killed uh, just from being struck by vehicles uh, a lot of times performing traffic uh, stops or other emergency uh, you know response type uh, situations uh, on the roadsides uh, so there's a reason officers are very careful and cautious or at least they should be I've definitely come across those that I'm like wow dude you are way to uh, it's not about being chill or relaxed as a like personality but you can just tell watching their body language and how they handle themselves that dude you are not switched on enough right, right? like if I was a bad dude like you'd be you'd be toast yeah um, and so you know and again there, there's all the risks too where 
com- contrasting it to say uh, responding to various incidents at a home or whatnot or a place of business. Well, th- this individual is in a vehicle, which the vehicle in of itself can be wielded as a very very deadly weapon. Uh, can you know crush you and kill you you know very very quickly if they try to use it against you as well that way. So there's a lot of reasons why officers uh, are cautious when they are handling traffic stops, and some cops will have you do certain things that other cops would never even think about uh, having you do as far as they may go ahead and even request you to uh, you know, shut off the vehicle, to roll down windows, to turn on lights, uh, put the vehicle in park. Uh, that's a big one right there too. Like that, that's definitely, and that was something that officers uh, learned even way back in the 80s and 90s, uh, particularly once we started having more dash cam video, which started coming around more and more in the 90s, uh, looking at incidents where cops were ambushed during traffic stops. Uh, a, a common thread there was individual stopped has their foot on the brake, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if the brake lights are on, like that, like every cop should know, should learn that early on going through their training that uh, brake lights are still on and they're stopped. Uh, either wait until that changes, till they, they take those, the foot off the brake, put it in the, in park, or maybe ask them to do so. Uh, but handle it, you know, differently because someone that's looking to hurt you and then make a getaway, uh, they're going to keep it in drive. So uh, anyway, my point is we're just kind of providing and setting the tone, the stage, the context for why officers may approach stops a certain way. And of course, that begins, I think, to dictate. Uh, at least some of our own tactics as citizens, uh, as civilians, you know, as far as how we might conduct ourselves also in that traffic stop. Now, keep in mind, today's episode is not meant to be about constitutional, you know, this or that. And well, you know, did they even have the right to stop me in the first place and and, and whatnot? Uh, because you know what? Rules get broken, unfortunately, more often than they probably should. Stops are made that probably shouldn't occur. I I recognize that fact. I'm not immune to that uh, or ignorant of that, and I don't think Matthew is either. So lest anybody say we're just a bunch of boot-licking, you know, uh, 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 cop, you know, blue line lovers. Um, I mean, arguably, obviously, I think Matthew and I support our our fellow LEOs uh, because we were once there doing that sort of thing as well. But um, and this is not meant to be about constitutional issues. Other than I may inter- interject with some thoughts regarding reported stops for suspected, like basically, so I've, I've heard some reports of officers stopping vehicles in Florida that had like New York plates and, and stuff like that. Um, that is interesting to me for sure, you know, yeah. uh, because if the only suspicion is, hmm, New York, they must have coronavirus. I don't, I don't, that doesn't jive with me very well at all. Yeah. Um, also, on a more of a lighthearted note, recently, uh, North Carolina's uh, state police released a, a PR statement essentially saying, during this current pandemic, we're only going to be making stops in cases where it's reason where we have re- a reasonable, articulable suspicion. <laughs> and I'm like, isn't that the standard? Anytime <laughs> we pull people over, <laughs> yeah, you think right? That that is how it's supposed to work. I think it was like, poorly phrased, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it came off very odd sounding. Uh, someone should have reviewed that a little bit more closely before they released that. But uh, 
So again, we recognize that there are times where stops may be made, and and the stop itself is, um, you know, a, a bad stop, like a mm-hmm. stop that shouldn't occur. Sure. But here's the here's the the reality. Okay, you have been stopped. You have been pulled over by an officer. Okay, y- you got to stop because if you don't stop, then. You, you, it's going to escalate into something else you don't want. Uh, now you're going to be uh, uh, accused of running away from that op, from that cop. He's going to chase you down. Things are going to get ugly real quick, and you're going to be you know even if at that point, even if what they initially supposedly stopped you for was something small, something minor, something that shouldn't have happened anyway that they shouldn't have uh, been concerned with. Uh, well, at that point, you just ran from a cop. So that's, that's a whole, whole other issue. Mm-hmm. So I guess the point now is to simply address the topic from the assumption that we, you've been stopped. Now what, mm-hmm. how do we, as a concealed carrier handle that situation? Now I'm going to hand it back to Matthew, but I, I want to point out that you basically have a couple of options, right? You can, and this is the, under the assumption that you are carrying a gun. You are carrying concealed or, or otherwise. It doesn't really matter. You you have a gun with you in the vehicle. Um, it's not relevant how that gun is possessed. All right? That's beside the point. Just the fact that you have the gun. Uh, me, I'm typically carrying it on my person concealed. Right? But uh, I would still handle it the same way if that gun was heaven forbid, under my seat. That's not where I keep my guns or tucked between the seat <laughs> or in the glove box or in a whatever, somewhere else. So um, you can play it cool and just not say anything, right? And by the way, I'm, I'm not talking about what you're legally obligated to do. I'm just talking about what your options are. You could ignore it and just do nothing about the fact that you have a gun. You can tell the officer that you have a gun, that you are armed, uh, or you can choose to not do anything uh, unless they ask you about it. That's basically your three options. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now, real quick, to continue kind of establishing the context, there are states that require duty to notify. Uh, you can find this on our website. We have a whole bunch of really unique, cool, helpful, resourceful information like this on our on the website at concealedcarry.com. Um, things like... Uh, duty to notify states. We have a whole map and everything, so you can look at it very quickly and visually, and you can see what uh, down below that map also a summary of what the different states require because some of them have specific situations. Uh, But just as a short list, you have Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, Alaska, Hawaii, Arkansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Ohio, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Maine are all states, that's 12 states, that require, that have a duty to notify law enforcement uh, if you have a gun and or a concealed carry permit or, or whatever. Okay, so by statute in those states, right, you can debate constitutionality or whatever you want all day long, but by statute, those are the laws that are on the books in those states that require duty to notify. Mm-hmm. Then there's a couple of states like uh, California where that that law or that requirement varies by county or city. That's got to be confusing as heck. Mm-hmm. And it also is the same in New York. 
So that's also, uh, yeah, that, that would be problematic. Uh, and then there's a, a handful of states where, uh, like Georgia, Vermont, and New Hampshire, where I think it's um, on the books even, like there, there is no duty or something to that effect. I don't know. They're colored in green on the map here. Um, most other states, and you'll see, if you look at the map, it's kind of like a bluish color. So including my state here, Colorado, my home state of Idaho and others are what you would consider a if asked policy, right? So you can choose to handle that however you want, but there's no duty to notify unless you are asked, in which case you must notify, you must respond and, and inform them you are in fact uh, in possession of a gun or whatever. Uh, again, so the distinction between like Georgia and Vermont and New Hampshire, my understanding with those states is that they simply don't have a duty. Like the officer could even ask and you could refuse to answer the question. <laughs> I suppose arguably in these other states that say if asked, you could still refuse to a answer, but uh, arguably that might uh, violate statute because again, in some of those states, it's, the way it's worded is pretty clear as far as if asked, you must notify sort of thing. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, now just to speak from my own personal experience, I've been in either in the vehicle or the driver of, ve of a vehicle a handful of times in my life uh, when carrying concealed or in possession of a firearm. Uh, one of those was interestingly on a, on a hunting trip. And mm -hmm. so we had multiple guns in the vehicle, some just right there in the back seat. Uh, but uh, where, I've never been asked if I had a gun in the vehicle. However, it is a common practice, and sometimes cops will use that as a, you know, sometimes they're just trying to figure out intent of what's going on with a particular individual in a particular stop and, and use even sense of humor of, you know, to try to extract information such as, well, you know, any guns, knives, uh, grenades, rocket launchers, nuclear bombs, you know, something silly like that to where the driver kind of chuckles and then says, oh, no, or, well, actually. So, um, but anyway, so that's kind of, does that provide some context, I hope? And then again, I'm going to throw it back to you, Matthew, and, and kind of let's start talking about, based on all of this context um, and, and recognizing what the statutes may dictate, but then how would you recommend handling oneself during a traffic stop? Yeah. I mean, all, all good points as far as like the legal side and duty to notify and all that. And, um, but you know, we can only control our half of the equation, right? Like, you know, not every cop is the same. I know a lot of times people think, you know, every, every cop responds the same or is going to do the same thing, but it, it, that's just not true. And so you don't know if you're going to get a cop that's very over the top or very paranoid or what call they just came from or one like Riley said, that just doesn't care. Like, you know, and so um, you can't control their, you know, how their demeanor is or anything you can control yourself. So, um, and, and hopefully you can, right. So um, my, my advice would be um, I, I keep the registration proof of insurance uh, in the visor and my, obviously my concealed can handgun license and my driver's license in my, in my wallet. Um, but, uh, um, in Ohio is a duty to notify. So, you know, I've been pulled over a few times. Um, and basically when I get pulled over, I'm already grabbing the stuff out of the visor. I have it in my hand. Um, I, 
if I can grab my wallet really quick, I do like before, you know, I actually come to a stop, I'll grab it. If I, if not, then I'll just sit there with the registration proof of insurance, hands on the steering wheel, roll down the windows. He comes up, tells me, Hey, you know, this is why I stopped you. All right. Um, you know, license registration, proof of insurance. Here's my registration, proof of insurance. Um, I have my driver's license and my concealed handgun license in my, in my uh, wallet. It's in my back pocket. And I have my, uh, my firearm with me today. What would you like me to do? And at that point, you know, you're telling them exactly what's going on. You're saying, I want to comply with you. Just tell me what you like to me to do. Um, and then likely, you know, depending on who they are, but, um, a reasonable response to be, okay, where's your firearm? Okay. I carry it, you know, penning style. It's right on my waistband side, of the waistband or strong side hip. All right. Just don't reach for it, you know, and, uh, and, and go ahead and grab your wallet. Um, if you tell them where your wallet is, or if you're a woman and you, you, they say, you know, my, my, uh, driver's license and stuff is in my purse and they may say, okay, where's your firearm? Oh, it's also my purse. You know, at that point they may say, would you mind handing me your purse? And is it okay if I reach in there and grab it out? You don't have to to do that, um, but if an officer believes that uh, somebody is armed in the in, in the vehicle, right, and, and you've admitted to, so it's reasonable that they would believe that uh, you're you're armed. Um, they can actually, you know, remove you from the vehicle during the duration of the stop for officer safety purposes. It's not to do a, a, a search of the vehicle or search you, but they can for officer safety purposes. So. Um, they may say, okay, I don't want you reaching in your purse with the, with, with the firearm. So I'm going to have you come out of the vehicle, uh, have you sit on the curb over here. I'm just going to reach into your purse now and grab, I mean, that's the only way to, to do that. Right. So, um, sometimes it behooves you to just say, you know, here's my purse or whatnot. Um, but obviously, you know, you, you, anything that would be found while they're going to get your wallet, like a, you know, baggie of meth or something, not saying anybody listening has meth in there, but lots of times, you know, that's, that's happened. You're like, Oh, well, I find your wallet and inside your wallet's like, uh, you know, a crack pipe and some meth, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I would say be, be cooperative. You don't have to go I'm, like, like Riley said, we, I love cops. I know sometimes, uh, they may overstep their bounds, certain cops, certain times. Um, but I think for the most part, if you work with them, if you're, you're cordial and cooperative, they're more than willing to, to, to work with you. Um, and, and so I, I think that that's the component, right? Like you don't want to escalate the situation by saying, I didn't stop uh, or I stopped at a red light. You know, I'm not giving you my ID. I want a supervisor, this and that. You can go that route. But it, it, it may make it more difficult for you. And ultimately, you may not have even have gotten a ticket. And you might be on your way as opposed to, you know, arguing for the sake of an argument. Yep. Let's be clear. Constitutionally speaking, you are under no obligation to say anything that incriminates yourself. Right. Mm hmm. Uh, so, you know, refusing to answer questions or whatnot, that that is acceptable. Um. Uh, However, where people often get themselves in trouble is by refusing to produce uh, documents that in virtually all states, if not all states, by statute are required to be produced as part of an investigation performed during a traffic stop. Uh, and we're talking license, registration, and insurance, uh, which, you know, here in the state of Colorado, by statute, upon being stopped, per 
upon being requested for this information uh, by statute, you're required to produce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, there's people that want to 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 fight, you know, against that and, and refuse to comply, um, and that's fine. Uh, you know, it's your right to do so. Uh, however, uh, recognize that you are at that moment violating your state statutes. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's probably not going to go, you know, your day is going to be greatly complicated by refusing to uh, comply with that. Again, a rec- recognizing that, it, well, you know, take that up with take that up with the courts, take it up in the courts, you know, file a complaint against that officer or against that department and handle it that way. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and that could be whether you want to make that uh, an issue after the fact, after you have politely concluded the uh, traffic stop, or if you decide to make an issue of it right then and there and get arrested and then try to fight that sort of case, well, you know, that's up to you to decide. Um, again, we're simply talking on, in this episode from the perspective of how do we conduct ourselves during a traffic stop that particularly, here's what I'm most That's what I care about. I am interested in concluding that traffic stop and not having anything occur that even remotely comes close to jeopardizing my life. Uh, because the concern is, again, as we and this is why we set the stage early on in the episode, is that someone uh, that has stopped that makes uh, some kind of sudden movement or or anything that might be might be perceived as a threat or a potential threat by that officer and th- that could mean that now a gun is being drawn on me again put aside if any of you have emotions about well that's wrong for them to do whatever xyz thing as the cop uh but realize that perceptions are perceptions and human beings are human beings and mistakes also can be made uh including in what you know they perceive about something they may perceive something even if it's not actually what's true all right um, again, we are all human, and uh, the job that an officer does is is not an easy job. Love cops, hate cops. The job they do is not an easy job. I don't care who you are. So, um, anyway, so the, the my again my my whole focus is how do I conclude this stop uh, without any increased risk to myself. So. And by the way, uh, for the record, we've lost Matthew. I don't know quite what's happened, uh, but he he has uh, disappeared here. So we'll see if we uh, get him uh, back. Uh, I'm just checking my messages and seeing if there's something. I don't know. He's 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 gone. Um, so hopefully he's able to click the link that I sent him and and get back in here, and I'll get him back in the in the feed. But uh, so. Um, my approach is to one avoid any sudden or fur- or, or furtive uh, movements or anything like that inside the vehicle. So similar to Matthew's approach, uh, I keep all my information in the side pocket of my my, my the door of my vehicle. Uh, I can reach it and retrieve it and pull it out very quickly and with very minimal 
uh, movement. Uh, so if the officer is approaching the vehicle or watching me from his vehicle prior to initiating contact with me, uh, or he's coming up, he's not going to be seeing a lot of me digging around or, or grabbing things because in about two seconds, three seconds, I've reached down in my side pocket of the door and plucked out those documents. You know, that simple. It's just right there. So that would be one tip, uh, similar again to Matthew, what he suggested that I would give some thought as to how you stage your documents in the vehicle uh, for access so that uh, those can be retrieved easily, simply um, with with little, little to do about it. Uh, I think that right there greatly simplifies um, the, that beginning part of the traffic stop. And that's, again, that's one of the more risky times as that officer is approaching the vehicle, trying to ascertain uh, who's inside the vehicle, what the intent of those occupants are, and so forth. Um, that'd be the f- first thing. So the second thing is, now we come to that place, that point where contact has been initiated. Typically, the officer will say something to the effect of, do you know why I've, why I've stopped you? Uh, my recommendation, again, not wanting to self-incriminate, would just be like, no, uh, why don't you tell me, officer? And that provides them the opportunity to say, I've pulled you over because I got you going X speed over the speed limit of X, uh, or I got you running through that stop sign or running through a red light or failing to yield or you know any number of things, right? So, uh, and then I would just politely be like, okay, you know, all right, understood. You know, again, not, I don't have to uh, agree with him or... Uh, accept or even acknowledge that, yep, you're right. I was guilty of that. I mean, you can, that's your choice. That's up to you. That's your right to either acknowledge that or not. Um, but the whole time I would, I would be respectful where I see most traffic stops go sideways are situations where people are disrespectful. I understand that you're upset. You got pulled over. Your day has been ruined or hampered or inconvenienced or whatever it is. You feel like the stop is unjust, et cetera, et cetera, all these various things. And, but yet the individual is upset and condescending and disrespectful towards the officer. I would say this much, even if you have a strong disliking or a dis or distaste uh, for that, for the officer, I would still treat recommend that they are treated with respect because liking someone or hating someone has no bearing on whether we treat people with respect or not. Showing respect tells a, a lot about a person. And so um, chances are, if you are disrespectful to an officer, then he will wonder why that is. Uh, and, and again, that speaks volumes about an individual and that may create additional suspicion in the mind of that officer. So, uh, again, that's neither here nor there. That's just, that's how human beings work. If you are disrespected by someone and in whatever capacity of job that you work, you would feel slighted. You would feel offended. You would be like, well, what's your deal? Like, what's your problem? You know, uh, and you'd be very uh, distrustful and suspicious of that individual as to why they are being so disrespectful towards you. This is not necessarily a society versus law enforcement conversation. It's it's merely um, just 
the reality of of human beings and human interactions. It's how it works. Okay, socially. Matthew messages me and says that he's trying to get back in, but it's not allowing him back. So uh, this is the first time this has happened where someone got kicked and then couldn't get back in. So I may be finishing up this episode alone, which would be too bad. (laughs) Um, But we got a lot of uh, great uh, comments and, and ideas from Matthew. Now, as to whether you should notify the officer uh, of carrying a gun or being possession of a gun or not, uh, my this is my personal approach. This is my personal, this is me. Okay, I'm not saying this has to be you, but I am generally of the opinion that I will volunteer that information. Okay, and again, I, I recognize earlier I said you don't have to do anything or say anything that self-incriminates. Right. Uh, And some people would view an admission like, well, I am carrying concealed today, officer, as being self-incriminating. That, you know, there's there's merit to that line of thought, because I don't necessarily like telling a police officer, I've got a gun, you know, Uh, what business is it of yours? But again, my number one focus is to is self-preservation. Right. So. I am of the opinion that by me being up front and putting that out there uh, means a couple of things. Number one, now he knows. Now there's no mystery about it whatsoever. Most likely a criminal, particularly one that's intent on doing harm to an officer, is not going to volunteer that information prior to then committing that violent act. So, and from my perspective, as well as having been involved in, in traffic stops, uh, that that's how I would feel about it as well, just from that, from the police officer's perspective. Now, that may not be true of every cop, but that, that certainly, and I'll say this definitely can be different uh, culturally speaking, different areas of the country, particularly ones that are not familiar, as familiar with the idea or the concept of an armed citizenry. I hate saying that, by the way, that just sounds terrible, but I recognize the fact that you could be in New York, you could be in New Jersey, you could be in areas of, of California where uh, it, it, it's not that common to run into citizens a, on a day-to-day basis that are carrying guns. Um, cops in those areas may not be as well-trained, I guess, or accepting, or just, that's just a a, a new strange thing for them to encounter uh, since it doesn't happen very often for them. And so reactions in some of those areas may be different. Those areas of the country may be different in this regard. So again, uh, I'd advise uh, caution uh, as far as how you approach this. You need to be, uh, you need to be in tune with where you are. Uh, And that sort of sets the course or dictates uh, whether you might follow this advice that I'm providing. And so uh, you could go about this simply by saying, uh, sir, I'd like to let you know that I, uh, I, I am carrying a concealed firearm and I am permitted to do so. I have a permit for it or whatever, that sort of thing. Um, Or a tech, a a technique that I have used for years and I still find great merit in is, is not saying it verbally. Uh, but simply handing over my permit along with my driver's license. I got to give them the driver's license anyway. And it honestly isn't a big deal to hand the permit. Uh, 
And without me even opening my mouth about that subject, without me interrupting the officer, but simply just as part of the process of here's my documents. <laughs> that sounds funny to say too, but again, by statute in most states, you're required to handle those typically three critical documents, registration, insurance, and, and driver's license. But I can simply hand over my permit and that communicates all I need to, to communicate. I mean, that that right there is a, is a nonverbal cue of, hmm, all right, permit, and he's probably got his gun with him. All right, mission accomplished, okay? In situations where I've been involved in, you know, on the passenger or driver side of this type of traffic stop where this uh, tactic or technique has been used, uh, it usually results in a, oh, I don't need that, and a handing back of the concealed carry permit. And the officer, in some cases, has said nothing about it, like, I don't need that, here you go. All right, I did my part. Or sometimes it's turned into a, oh, you like guns, huh? You know, like what, what what kind of guns do you like, or what gun are you carrying, or what's your favorite? You know that sort of thing. I've had I've had roadside conversations with police officers uh, about about guns, and that actually goes typically the ones that are interested in that sort of thing usually goes very well. And uh, you know what? If if I show respect and if I can uh, even sort of befriend this officer, because I guarantee you they get a lot of not so friendly interactions with uh, the public and their vehicles throughout the day, uh, there's a high probability that he says, you know what? You seem all right. Have a great day. I'm letting you off the warning. That sounds like a good deal to me. Okay. Again, this is just how, this is my approach. Now, one thing that, that uh, always choosing to volunteer, whether, or at least most, you know, again, always is a strong word, uh, but, uh, uh, I typically, in, in almost all contexts, would volunteer this information. Um, choosing to do so eliminates the problem of being in one jurisdiction where notification is required and me forgetting or failing to do so and then somehow being found out because then I'm probably in other hot water if I failed to comply with that part of the statute. So, uh, simply notifying as a general rule uh, means that I don't have to be as much concerned about, and this is especially applicable in, in a state, say, like California, where, again, requirement to notify varies from county or city to city. That's And that's very, very problematic because I'm not going to keep track of all the different cities and counties and uh, which ones require me to notify, which ones don't. Now, to be fair, you could choose to not notify even in a state where you have a duty to do so and the firearm become, you know, never comes, you know, becomes part of the equation of that traffic stop and, you know, no big deal, like no harm, no foul sort of thing. But uh, the concern would be that if for some reason, somehow during the course of this traffic stop, knowledge or it becomes known that I am in fact possessing a gun and I failed to notify, that's a problem. Here's my bigger concern. If for, for whatever reason it becomes known during the traffic stop that I have a gun and I didn't tell the officer about it, um, in some cases, in some contexts, that could turn violent very quickly. Meaning, how could this happen? Well, maybe you choose to carry um, your driver's license or whatever, a wallet. This is not an uncommon practice. 
in your front pocket, one of your front pants pockets. And in the course of you digging into your pocket, you act, as you bring your hand up or something, maybe you expose uh, underneath your shirt. And all of a sudden, the cop sees a glimpse, and it doesn't take much, of that gun and goes, oh, snap. What do you think is going to happen? And he may even perceive or think that you might be attempting to draw it. Um, crazier things have happened in traffic stops. So just I'm, I'm just... I'm trying to point out all of these different points of potential failure, I guess is maybe, I don't know how else to explain it, where a traffic stop can go from being a benign traffic stop to turning into something else entirely very quickly. Uh, so just, you know, just food for thought. This should provide some context for you, those of you listening, viewing, to go, okay, all right, this is how, based on what I'm hearing on the podcast today, I'm going to think about myself, my, my, my own circumstances, and also where I live, the jurisdiction that I am in, the laws that exist, whatever it is, and you come up with a pre-planned way of handling a traffic stop. Uh, every plan could be a little different from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, person to person. But the one thing I think that should exist in all those uh, plans is that I'm going to communicate with the officer, even if I hate his stinking guts, even if I think he's completely in the wrong for stopping me, I am still going to do every bit of my best to be respectful in my interaction with him because disrespect usually res it, it just causes problems. All right. And we can be respectful even when we had have a dislike for the situation or the person. And that's just a basic human principle. Call it a Christian principle. Call it whatever you want. A golden rule sort of thing. Don't care. That's just being human. So uh, that's kind of about all I got to say about that. Now, I've, I know I've seen some questions and good comments uh, pop up here. Uh, and Matthew has continued trying to get back in. And, and for whatever reason, the tech has just decided to not work for him today. And that's too bad. Um, but we'll, we'll begin wrapping it up here in just a few minutes, but I was going to take a quick look here at, uh, see if there is some, I thought there was a question that popped up and I wanted to come back to, um, oh, so Elkie asked, what do cops think about guns slash NRA stickers on vehicles? Well, here's what I would think as a, as a cop, if, if, if I were doing that and if I was doing daily traffic work, um, meaning that I was, you know, doing stops all the time. Uh, if I was approaching a vehicle that had a gun-related sticker, not gun-related, meaning it's a sticker of a gun about gun rights, certain gun organizations, whatever, doesn't matter, tells me, hmm, there's a high probability this person is a gun person and probably have a gun in their vehicle. So... That would be another great reason to not put those stickers. We we talked we've talked on the podcast before about how that could make your vehicle a target for theft, and that definitely is a thing. And I could point you to to at least a couple of news stories where vehicles were in fact targeted because of gun related stickers on the vehicle itself, which is why I, I choose not to uh, place any of those on my vehicle. But you know, the funny thing is sometimes the same people that will complain about, uh, you know, uh, law enforcement, you know, what, what right do they have knowing what I've got, you know, or make jokes about the ATF when people talk about um, guns and stuff in 
online internet forums. Those, some of those same people have gun stickers on their vehicle. Well, you are you are admitting a lot by having that tells a lot about you having those stickers on your vehicle. So uh, that's a pretty good indication that guns may come up as part of that uh, the conversation in that traffic stop. So um, just understand, right? Everything I give, I honestly don't care what you guys do. Uh, or the approach that you take with these with these traffic stops or interactions with law enforcement, but I just I try to approach it from a matter of fact that if you do X Y Z thing, then A B C is what happens. Just a, a reality. All right. So, but a good question there, Elky, about stickers on the back of your vehicle. Um, let's see. I thought there was one other thing that popped up here. I'll just take another look. Um, in lieu of having Matthew to bounce things off of, <laughs> let's see. Um, those. Well, what's your favorite gun? Yeah, yeah. That I had a, a probably a good 10, 15 minute conversation with one police officer once during a traffic stop. Uh, yeah, that was that was a fun one for sure. And and yes, we got. A, I was actually not the driver of that at that time. And uh, we got off with a warning. It was just a simple speeding violation. So, um, yeah, I mean, is that is that fair? Again, recognizing, let's actually kind of shift gears just real quick. And this would be a good place to, to kind of go to and, and start wrapping it up. Um, what about a traffic stop in the current situation of things with all this coronavirus talk and these uh, community-wide, statewide uh, stay at home, shelter in place, whatever orders. So let's just suppose that you are stopped by an officer. I think it's kind of a, uh, I think it's, I don't think it's right for cops to stop people because they're out and about and question them. Why are you out and about under the shelter at home or shelter in place order or whatever, but that's neither here nor there. Let's just accept the fact that that could be the reality, depending on the jurisdiction that you're in. Some are for enforcing this very hev- heavy-handedly, and others aren't really. So, um, let's say you are stopped, and the purpose of that stop is there's a shelter-in-place order. What are you doing out and about? How would you handle that? Again, I would encourage you to be respectful. Uh, but, uh, you know, do I need to answer? Do I have to answer? Am I obligated to answer? I I don't think you are. Um, now he could choose to cite you in some States. They are citing people for violation of orders. Um, and you know what? I suspect there'll be a lot of lawsuits post coronavirus, uh, of various government entities and agencies over stuff that's happened during all of this mess. And that's that. You know what? That's the beauty of the Constitution that we have, is that we have the opportunity for redress from the government. That we have a, a, a court system, right? Imperfect though it may be, but you have. And I'll tell you what: it's imperfect, but it's far better than most systems in the world, by far. In a lot of cases, just the fact that you can actually go to the court and say X Y Z thing about the government and my rights were violated, whatever, that's a really amazing, powerful thing that exists because of our Constitution. So, 
you know, I mean, make up a story that's called lying, but all right. You know, if that's how you choose to handle it, refuse to answer the officer's questions or simply answer truthfully. This is what I'm doing. This is why I'm out about. Didn't know there was any, you know, whatever. But again, I think it comes down to being respectful in that interaction because that is going to, I think, substantially increase your, the chances that that stop goes relatively smoothly. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I think that's about all I got about that. Um, I certainly, I, I love and believe in the constitution. I'm, I'm also a realist and a pragmatist and that I recognize that, you know what, there are certain laws and things on the books, though I may disagree with them. They, they are on the books and that does mean that they can be in fact enforced. Uh, and that may result in situations that we don't want to have happen. But at the end of the day, if I'm just simply respectful, it probably will resolve itself fairly smoothly. Uh, and there's some interesting comment going on with uh, the Facebook comments here of how a lot of cops are not gun guys. Uh, and then and then Shana responds saying a lot of cops in her area are probably more into guns uh, than the ones that aren't. Again, this is where we get into the, the differences in culture uh, and society. Looking across this vast nation, you have pockets of the country where you know the gun the cops are are gun guys just just like the the farmers the ranchers the mechanics uh, you know heavy equipment operators um but there's definitely parts of the country usually it's in the more metropolitan areas where by and large cops are not gun guys and if you've ever worked in law enforcement you definitely have seen this where you know there's a guy he just you know for whatever reason has a badge or maybe he just wanted the badge but doesn't care about a lot of the other things that come along with the badge and couldn't care less about guns couldn't care less about the gun he has on his side couldn't care less about training with it or being proficient with it we all know who those guys are if you've worked in law enforcement i would say by and large if we looked at mostly because the the big majority of officers uh, in the country are probably more focused in metropolitan areas. That's where we have large numbers and big departments. Uh, so probably by and large, most cops arguably are not gun guys. Uh, and, and again, in my experience this is definitely true where most, most officers I've worked with are, are not really into the gun and aren't into the training, aren't into being, really proficient with it. And that's kind of sad uh, because it is a critical tool that sometimes gets used and you definitely can sort out the, the, the cops that are proficient from the ones that are not. And uh, yeah, I wish they were all a little more interested sometimes in what they were doing with those, with those deadly sidearms that they do carry. So um, anyway, guys, that's going to be a wrap for today's episode. So, Hopefully that's helpful for you. Hopefully that's a, for some of you that may be the first time that you're hearing us address this. If you, if you haven't caught way back 400 episodes ago uh, in episode three, where we, we talked about this very thing. Um, oh, one last thing. And this actually was a comment. Sorry. This, this just popped into the head because I did mean to say something about this. And that was somebody had mentioned something about rehearsing or, or, or having memorized or knowing what you're going to say ahead of time uh, during a traffic stop. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And uh, keeping things as respectful and as concise as possible is is best. 
And so kind of knowing, you know, this is, if he asks me this, I'm going to respond with that. Um, you know, where Jacob and I have butted heads on this topic is that Jacob's very much, if I'm going to notify, if I have to notify, if I must notify, if I choose to notify, then I'm going to say something to the effect of, officer, I'd like to let you know that I am uh, a concealed carry permittee and I am carrying concealed today or something to that effect. Jacob's very much about the verbal notification. I just like handing my ID over and just being done with it and not, you know, not getting worried about tripping up over my words. But I would encourage you to those things that you memorize or recite, uh, that it be very professional sounding in the language, uh, meaning that uh, using things like I am carrying concealed as opposed to saying I am carrying a gun. I have a gun. Avoiding the word gun uh, because that perks up the ears really quickly of that officer. Uh, saying even something like firearm as opposed to gun sounds for whatever reason to me, and this could just be me, me and my perception, but, but I feel like as I've observed other uh, LE uh, interactions, including you know ones that we are all able to go watch on like YouTube and stuff now, that uh, you know responding with very simple, concise, professional-sounding language like um, officer, I'd like to inform you that. I have a concealed carry permit and I am carrying today. Like that doesn't even use the word gun in that sentence, but it tells them that you do in fact have one and it's very non-confrontational, very professional sounding, very direct. Um, and that's, that's one good way of approaching it. So having some of that phraseology, uh, because most of us tend to be a little bit nervous when we get stopped because it's sudden, we don't like it. Uh, seeing those flashing lights makes us nervous, whatever, you know, gets all that kind of adrenaline stuff pumping and going. And so when that starts happening, we we have a tendency to stumble over our words more. So having kind of some verbiage that is prepared ahead of time, that sounds clean, concise, professional, respectful, it's a good idea. All right. That's a good place to end it, wrap it up. So guys, again, today's episode is sponsored by guns.com. Great place to buy your next gun or even consider selling a gun, which might not be a bad idea right now. You never know. Uh, People are looking and so values are being driven up. So guns.com, great place to check out. They also sell a lot of other accessories and and other uh, firearm related products. Um, But I've been really impressed even with the inventory that they've still managed to maintain during uh, all of this recent uh, buying you know craze now of course they're going to have to ship that firearm to a local ffl uh, so a local dealer of yours that you know either guns.com will already have their info on file or you can have that dealer contact them get in touch with them and and provide that information so that they know that the gun's being shipped to a licensed dealer and then, of course, you may still have to jump through the hoops as, as far as the whole background check thing. I mean, you will, you will have to go through that most likely, but, uh, of course, state-dependent somewhat. Um, but, uh, you know, there's been some hiccups with the background checks uh, all across the country. So hopefully that's getting resolved sooner rather than later. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So with that, I'm going to let you go. You guys take care. Be safe out there. And... Be good. Obey the laws. And that's the one sure way we can You typically avoid uh, having to have interactions with police. Anyway, you guys take care and uh, you know, keep, keep fighting the fight with this whole coronavirus and COVID-19 stuff going around. 
Uh, I hope that uh, our listeners are are not contracting it and not having to deal with it. Um, and that also that your families are safe and protected as well. So with that, we'll let you go. And a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.